Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Coffee and Clarks. I am your co-host, Javian Brabham. And I'm your other co-host, Tyler Duncan. And today, it's going to be kind of a, a loose episode. Tyler and I are just kind of catching up on what's going on and things that we are currently working on, things or we're kind of reflecting, or at least I'm more of a reflection of this past school year now that the school year is done. Um, so we have our summer coming up and we have, you know, different projects. So we're kind of just catching up and, and seeing what's going on in each other's lives. Um, but before we get into that, of course, we got to talk about the most important thing is coffee. So Tyler, what are you uh, sipping on today? Yeah, so this is a new type of coffee for me, or at least the roasters. It's called Pure Intentions Coffee. <laughs> it's based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm. And um, again, usually I don't go with blends, but I wanted to try this one because of the name Porch Light Blend. Mm. Uh, it's a medium roast coffee, again, kind of right up in my alley. Uh, you know, flavor notes consist of, you know, fruity, uh, kind of high in acidity, not too bad and, and pretty sweet as well, especially as it cools down. Um, but yeah, I'm in, I'm impressed. I actually had to adjust the grinder a little bit, make it a little bit more coarse. Mm -hmm. And that seemed to kind of level it out when it was a little bit finer. Um, it lost a lot of flavor. So right now I've only brewed it on the V60. So I'd be curious to see if that changes on the, on the Chemex and also even a uh, French press what this one tastes like. I know, I, I, I feel like I got to go through all the different methods to see which one I would like. <laughs> all right. Do you like yeah. the French press more than the, for this one? Uh, I haven't tried it yet on this one. Okay. Um, usually I'm not a huge fan on French press just because it's not as clean of a cup. Mm. Um, you know, I would almost want to do a, like an AeroPress, okay. which is like similar to kind of like espresso. Mm -hmm. um, but I could always try it and see, particularly like once it starts to lose or once the bag gets a little bit older, uh, sometimes a French press can kind of get a little bit more flavor, get a little bit more punch than right. a sixty. So that's kind of where I'm at right now with it. Um, I've only had it for a few days. So each day it's kind of gotten a little bit better as I've tweaked the, the grind setting. Mm -hmm. So that's about it on this end. What about you? Um, so... At this point, I probably should just get an endorsement, but uh, I'm drinking <laughs> an, <laughs> I'm drinking another uh, a, a bag from Perks Coffee out of Savannah, Georgia. Um, they're Brazilian um, single origin. It's called uh, Smooth and Nutty. Um, it's a medium roast. <laughs> um, so actually, uh, two weekends ago, I went to Perk um, just to check out their their shop and their cafe and it. Um, really cool place is in a, a nice like blue collar neighborhood. I really dig it. Uh, but like if you didn't know it was there, you like, there's no way this is like a big like coffee shop. Uh, but yeah, so I, I went there and, and, and brought some beans, got a t-shirt, um, you know, doing, doing the things. But um, now that I'm thinking about it, when I was at Perks Coffee, so I had this new drink. It's called a espresso tonic. And it's basically espresso poured over a uh, tonic, you know, soda water. Um, with, and it comes with a uh, slice of orange, or orange peel in the cup, and it's served over ice. And it's like a really, really like refreshing drink. 
So I've like had it, like a, a friend of mine said, yeah, I want to try this. So I, I, I had it and I said, oh man, this is like delicious. It's like, it's, it's sweet, but it's not like overly sweet. It's like just a really refreshing drink, like perfect for this time of year, summertime. And um, so like, if you have a cafe in your area that's have, that serves espresso tonics, or if you have a good relationship with your barista, hey, have them say, you guys should check out this espresso tonic. And I'm sure there's like YouTube videos if you want to make it at home, um, that kind of, you know, do a little tutorial. But yeah, that's that's kind of like my new drink now. <laughs> that's <Espresso> awesome. Tonic. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, you have to see if any places around you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I that. luckily I have a good relationship with my baristas. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it up. Say, man, you guys got to start doing this. Yeah. Nobody buys it. I will. I promise. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Maybe they can add it to the calls. menu. Yeah, yeah. I will support that cause. A yeah. seasonal drink for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Definitely, definitely. So, you know, it's been a few weeks um, since you and I talked. So, Tyler, I know you have a lot of new stuff coming up, and we haven't—I think it's okay if I say this—but we we haven't made a formal statement here. Is that Tyler is about to have his first kid with his his lovely wife? So, I wanted to congratulate you at least on the podcast. Um, and this is happening very soon, like what, two months or so, yeah, right? Yeah. So I was about to be a father for the first time. And so we're really excited about that, or at least I'm excited. I know you're excited yet nervous about it. So of course, uh, yeah. other than that big news, like what else is going on in, in your yeah. life? Well, first off, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. And I know Allison does as well. We're both looking forward forward to being parents and um yeah starting that next chapter that next phase of our life we know that's something that we've always wanted and uh we're just really fortunate enough that um you know we're going to be able to have a child and you know we'll do our best and i think as well we're looking forward to what we're going to learn from our son we're having a boy so what we're going to learn from our son and uh, the things that he's going to teach us and vice versa because you know it definitely goes both ways so, um, yeah, I mean, that's obviously a big life event coming up in a few months. Um, at this point now, um, you know, I'm, I'm training pretty heavily right now. Um, kind of, I, I don't plan on racing this year, but I'm, I plan on racing next year. So obviously with a baby in a few months, like that wouldn't be very responsible. Be kind of selfish of myself to be like, Hey, I'm going to do a race, you know, a few <laughs> months after the baby's born, uh, so I'm going to wait till 2022 to race. And by race, I mean, do a half Ironman. I think that's the goal mm-hmm. I want to set for myself. Try to get one, one of those under my belt before um, moving on to the full Ironman. And so, yeah, right now it's, I think I'm doing about six and a half hours of, of biking a week with a few workouts a week within that. And then running uh, four and a half hours a week right now, doing mostly, mostly easy runs, throwing in some strides in there. So it's about 11 hours of training a week. Uh, You'll notice that I haven't been swimming yet. Kind of holding off on that (laughs) for as long as I can. Uh, I know that is an aspect of it, but um, you know, the, the bike and run are definitely the longest portions of that event. So uh, up until January of this year, I never biked before. So Mm -hmm. really building my bike fitness and getting that. And then what's great about biking is I've noticed how it's made me a much more durable runner. Um, 
because before it, you know, when I was training for, for marathons, you know, I'd run 70, 80 miles a week. And with this, even though I'm not running that amount of mileage right now, um, I do notice that my paces are quicker and even, you know, we'll do what's called a uh, brick workout. So you bike and then you go directly into a run and they call it a brick because it takes a little while for your legs to adjust. So they feel like bricks. Um, but yeah, usually after like the first mile, the legs start opening up, the lactic acid kind of flushes out and you're like, you're, you're going. So it's, it's been great. The, just, just being able to be a beginner at something and see progression, see growth is really awesome. I just got my, my pedals and shoes last week. So, uh, that's going to help, uh, allow me to come, become more of an efficient bike rider, mm-hmm. um, which has a learning curve as well, particularly when you ride outside. And now that the temps are nice, um, yeah, I'll definitely be going out there and doing some longer rides. So it's, it's great. The sport's great. There's some really, um, I think it's picking up on popularity and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very humbling, humbling sport. So that's, that's kind of like that update. Um, I don't want to take up too much time in this conversation so we can go back and forth, but are there, you know, is there anything on your end that has kind of come up or some common themes or, you know, you mentioned that you just finished school the mm-hmm. school semester. So how was that? How was the last month or so? Um, last month has, I, I think this is basically the whole school year. I think most teachers and students probably feel this way. It was a bit of a grind, you know? Um, obviously, with everything's going on with COVID and all the protocols and all that stuff that's going on, it's, it's made um, what is normally a long year, even longer. Uh, but, you know, I, I think at least for me and at least what I think for my students, you know, we were able to get through it successfully as well as, you know, everyone gets better, everyone kind of figure out, you know, what they need to work on moving forward. And, and, and for me personally, uh, it was definitely a, a big learning experience. I think one of the, the beauties I've mentioned this or is that we, we learn new skills throughout all of this, you know? Uh, and I've certainly learned some new skills along the way, especially when it comes to like editing videos and audio and, and all these, you know, different things. Um, but for me, you know, in terms of like my playing and, and all that stuff that I've been working on, I've certainly been, this year's been about figuring out how to be more efficient with everything and not just practice, but just like in life, right? I know we, we always talk about like finding that balance and, and how, how to, you know, manage your personal life and your job and your practice and, 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 and doing all those different things. So I think, especially this last month or so, um, I feel like I've seen the results of you know having that conversation or that self-dialogue with myself um and I, I think you know overall I feel like I've made some strong headway in 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 my development as not just a teacher but as a musician as a trumpet player um all the things so I think that's that's been a, a benefit for me and you know moving forward at least for this summer it's going to be kind of a, a loose summer, um, which is, there's a lot of beauty in that because, you know, normally we have all these things lined up, but, you know, this summer's, uh, it's not a whole lot going on, but um, so this summer for me is about uh, continuing to 
you know, refine my skills, you know, as a trumpet player, as a teacher, um, you know, I have several projects that I'm going to be working on this summer, uh, um, potentially uh, a book, working on some um, recital rep that I'm going to do next school year, uh, some concerto reps that I'm going to do next school year. So I have a lot of stuff to do and um, it's funny, you know, I was talking to my friend and said, like, you don't have anything to do this summer. What are you going to do? I said, actually, I have plenty of stuff to work <laughs> on because um, it's always a, a revolving door, as you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a, a good, all things considering, it's, it's been a, a good experience. And um, I think at least I think I've made some strong headway in many areas of my life. And I, I think there's some I think there's great beauty in that. And I think what's funny is, so my student, one of my graduate students, he asked me, he's like, so like at this point, like, what do you work on? Like, what are you doing? And like your personal, like you, you have a job and you know, you're teaching all day, et cetera. And I was like, you know, good question because these are things I would ask myself. It's like, you have a job. So like, what do you, what are you working on? Um, so I'm saying, you know, for me, it's, it's about, you know, the refinement and getting my worst of days to be closer to my best of days. And, and I, I remember um, some years ago talking to uh, Barbara Butler about something very similar to this. And she was like, you know, and I, I'm paraphrasing, but she was like, you know, we're, we're all on the same path you know, in our playing and in our life and our journey, she's like, really right now, the biggest thing or the biggest difference between me and say one of my students or me and you is that, you know, on my, my best of days are here and my worst of days are here, right? And to the average listener, or maybe to you, you can't really hear much difference in that. And she said, that to me is the goal. I, I, and I wanna get my worst of days to be this close very close to my best of days and that refinement. So I, I've been kind of like trying to take that approach um, with everything. Because right now I feel like my worst of days are still quite far from my, my best of days. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, this past school year, um, particularly this past semester has been really about that and just trying to figure those things out. I took an audition a few weeks ago for the first oh, audition really? I've done in a while. So that was fun. Uh, nice. You, you, you go through that whole process. Um, yeah, um, for one of the, the orchestras here in Georgia. So, you know, it's, it's, it's weird because, um, I don't know, I guess it's weird for me because you know, I, I spend most of my time teaching and, and, you know, just doing a lot of just fundamental practice. But preparing for an audition is, as you know, it's a very different thing. And yeah. the amount of work and just like refinement that goes into that is, is very different. And especially when you haven't done it in a while, at least not for orchestral audition. Obviously, I've auditioned for like jobs, collegiate jobs, but it's a, it's a different experience. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was a cool experience to kind of not learn, but just kind of like figure out how to do that again, kind of get back in the groove of that and the anxiety that comes with 
audition once you get in the in the room or you know you're in the waiting room waiting for your turn to go like just all these emotions that are floating around um it's good it's it's like an energy that you forget how that feels and it's nice to kind of like experience that again you know and kind of keep turning your toes it's like all right i gotta keep i gotta keep at this so that was a good experience audition you know it went and you know you 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 take your wins and or losses depending what happens but you know the, the audition went fine and um fortunate enough to win the audition um oh, but congrats, yeah it man. was it, oh thanks yeah so it, it was good so these past few months you know making some headway doing some recording so yeah it's been good that's awesome man yeah what's cool and one of the things that stuck out to me is is your ability to answer students questions when they ask things of that nature like what are you working on like you know the things that you're working on I, I feel like it's easy for people just to kind of go through life and not know what they're actually working towards they're kind of just mm -hmm. going through the mundane or day-to-day -day. Yeah. and being able to articulate that and to actually know the purpose behind each day and what you're working on what you're trying to get better at yeah is is so important and I think it's you know that's gonna allow more success for your students because if their leader, if their teacher's working and working hard and putting themselves in uncomfortable positions, like taking auditions, doing things that are out of their comfort zone, or really for you, it's like, there's no reason that you would need to take that audition, yeah. you know, but you wanted to put yourself in a uncomfortable position, something that was <clears throat> maybe unfamiliar, like you said, in the last few years. And <clears throat> excuse me. And it's so awesome to see that because your students see that you're still growing, you're still learning, you're still getting better. And that, that spreads. I mean, yeah. that's the culture right there, you know, being able to have a studio where that's kind of the standard where yeah. it's like everybody embraces everybody and everybody's working hard to get better every single day. So yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. And kudos to you yeah. for kind of leading by example. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, thank you. Um, it's, you know, when, especially when you go out to take an audition, especially if you quote unquote have a job, it's, it's a humbling experience because in, in the process of preparing what I've come to find, it's like you, you have to, obviously you got to check your ego at the door, right? Even before you get to the audition, it's like in the, in the moment of preparing for the audition, because, you know, even if you have a job, I know, like, if I don't show up and play well, I could lose this audition, right? You know, or if I just, I just don't play well. And at the end of the day, the goal was to play well, not necessarily to, like, win the job or whatever. Um, right. So, it, to me, it was a very humbling experience because, you know, the, the weeks leading up to the audition, it's like, you know, I have to be very self-critical with myself. I have to really do a lot of refinement in all the excerpts that I was working on. Um, and there were days where I was like, yeah, this doesn't sound very good right now, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and when, again, when you get to the audition room and you're in there, you feel that anxiety, you know? And in some ways, this may be unfair to put this pressure on my on, on myself. It's like when I, I'm, I'm going or I'm driving to the audition site and I'm, you know, in the warm up room, you know, I feel like even though I have like, I'm fortunate enough to have a job, I feel like this added pressure because I feel like there's this, there's this expectation that you have to win this job because you have a job, you know? And, you know, and it's hard to let 
that go. Super hard to let that go. Um, so, you know, I, I, and I, I knew that going in into the audition, like I knew I was going to have that feeling, this sense of like, I have to win this job or I'm supposed to. There's this like, you have to play well. Um, and so letting that go is extremely difficult. And I don't even know if I was completely 100% successful at it, but I think that definitely helped calm any like nerves I had going into the audition room to play the excerpts. It's like, let's just play, let's make the music, you know, and, and try to put the focus on that versus on any like internal feelings I'm having about myself, right? Yeah. Um, so that, that's something I, I've never experienced, you know, that's new. Um, Cause usually you don't have the job and you're trying to win the job versus like you have a job and you're adding something else and there's this level of expectation like, oh i expect you to win the job right <laughs> you know uh so yeah. it's different it's a weird place to be and i've never thought about it until i was going through the process yeah i can become very unhealthy yeah quick um, yeah oh yeah yeah the ego the mind it's it's a powerful thing it can play lots of tricks on us and in, in this idea that we're supposed to be able to do this because we've done something before in the past or we have some title associated with it is is far from true and i think that's i was talking to somebody about this a few days ago but it's like yeah it's crazy how much um our field idolizes employment you know i guess it's because it is so hard to get employment and the market is small but it's like yeah we really i mean if you're in business or any other field i mean you would just all right, I'm kind of over this job. I'm going to go to the next one. You don't really think about much about it. But for us, it's like, we literally idolize it. It's like, you're the people that have jobs and the people that have not and, or have or don't have jobs. And it's like, that's, that's just very toxic environment. You know, it just creates division, right? Yeah. And uh, that's the last thing that we need, particularly in this field. And yeah, I mean, like you said right now, it's like that's something that will probably be there as you take more auditions down the road if you choose to, or um, if you apply for other jobs, you know, it's like that those ideas and those thoughts can creep back in there. Um, but yeah, being able to calm that down and, you know, have that perspective and, and take control of that is huge. And that's something that you can offer your students as well, mm -hmm. you know, because they feel like, well, I should be able to do this because I'm a master's student or you know, I've done this thing and it's like, well, we're human. So yeah. you can't yeah. expect perfection because there's no such thing. Exactly. And like a funny thing, like when we think about like athletes, for instance, like let's, let's take like a baseball player, right? So if, if you're a baseball player and you get like four at bats or five at bats and you go, or let's say four at bats and you go one for four, like that's not a bad day. In, in baseball okay. terms, right? Like you can play a long time going one for four or going obviously two for four. It's like a really good day at the park, right? And, you know, and in, to a musician, oh, that's only 50%. Like I can't survive off of 50%, right? So, you know, so I sometimes I like try to think about it in those terms. Like I, it doesn't have to be like, this level, high level of perfection every single time. Like that, that level of pressure um, is, is not healthy at all in, in, no. in right? Um, so yeah, so like, you know, preparing for this audition, I try to keep that, like that mindset of like, I don't need to add as much pressure to myself. Like, 
at the end of the day, as you know, RTG used to say, it's just trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just trumpet and it's just music. Like it doesn't define you as a person or anything like that. It's just like this one moment in time and yeah. then that moment's gone. And then you right. move forward, right? And it's how yeah. you respond to those moments is determines what happens, right? So, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good points, man. Well, congratulations to you. That's awesome. <laughs> um, you know, it always feels good though when when hard work. I mean, like like you said, that's a, that's a byproduct. Like going in was all right. Play the best that you can. Make music, and but the and if that means winning the job that day, cool. That's awesome. You know. So kudos to you, man. That's 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 great. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. So. So Tyler, what, what's been, I mean, I obviously we know what's on your radar. You, you're about to have a kid, but aside yeah. from that, like what's been um, in running the race? I know you've been working on some stuff and, and figuring out some, some playing stuff lately. Like what's been any like new revelations or any like figuring out any things? Yeah. So I don't think we've talked about it. Like, I mean, I, I guess I, briefly have mentioned it before maybe in past episodes but yeah so basically i've been dealing with a a performance related injury for a while now um it's going to be almost a year <laughs> this month and uh yeah it's definitely been the hardest hardest year of my life no doubt about it um in so many facets and then you tack on covid and mm. you know lacking community and support at times it, it definitely and when I mean community and sport, I mean, physically having people around, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's tough. I mean, I have my wife, but, you know, close friends, family, that kind of thing, they're far. So yeah, that's been a, a tough, tough learning lesson for me. You know, sometimes we think that once you get to a certain level or a certain place in your life, that suffering and trials kind of cease, you know, you think like, oh, I got to grind it out in school and then everything's going to be gravy. And it's like, no, life has a way of, of, humbling you and teaching you more lessons. And I've, I've definitely learned a lot about myself and learned about how I prioritize things in my life. Um, you know, it's funny. I used to ask students, like if you woke up one day and couldn't play or, you know, got injured, you know, what would you do? How would you react? And then it was hit with me and I failed very miserably <laughs> at first, you know, I mean, it's an ongoing battle. And I know that this could be a whole separate episode. So I'll just kind of hit some, some main points on it. But um, about a month ago, I was able to see Dr. Fruck in New York City. And if there's anybody that's dealing with potentially dystonic symptoms or um, nerve related injury in your face or anything related to playing an instrument, uh, he's, he's the doctor to go to. Again, he's in New York City. I, I went up there and I saw him and Pretty quickly, he was able to diagnose what I had, and it was what Jan Kagarice, who is training me, basically retraining me and my approach to trumpet playing, thought it could be. You know, I saw so many doctors through the military and, and no fault of their own, but seeing cases like this are extremely rare, you know. So uh, he was able to exactly identify where the pain was and what I was feeling and symptoms and all that stuff. And in fact, he recommended filing down a tooth, tooth number uh, nine and 10. So it's not the middle teeth. It's a little bit off here. And I, I went to a doctor that has worked with musicians before in their teeth. So I filed down the tooth here. So basically, one of my 
tooth was was kind of going up like that instead of them being like kind of flat it's shifted over time and so that was continuing to bump into the nerve mm -hmm. and so with my old setup where you know i was taught to buzz your lips and play um the mouthpiece is going right on your face like a cookie cutter you know so it's like you got a piece of metal flesh and then a hard surface which are your teeth and if they're uneven i mean you're just you're basically entrapping those small nerves that come through the lip here. They're sensory nerves, which they can't see on an MRI. You know, I had an MRI done. They couldn't see it because they're so small. So anyway, he was like, oh yeah, this tooth is also adding irritation. So I went and got that file down. It was just, just a very small, small filing. Didn't need Novocaine, nothing like that. And even the dentist was like, oh, I can feel a little hitch here. So he's like, yeah, if, if the lip vibrates on it or gets caught on there, you know, I could see where that's coming from in this place. And, and since that, the last month, my level of pain and irritation has gone down tremendously. Mm. It's been really, really great. So that's been a positive. And then I've kind of turned a small little corner with my retraining. So I mentioned earlier, you know, I, I can't kind of came from the school of like, say, and buzz your lips, that whole thing, which is taught a lot. And now uh, I think less of that and more so as, as Jan goes is that your lips, there's an air column and your lips are riding on that air column. And because of that, they vibrate sympathetically, meaning they vibrate more so further back on the lip. You know, we think of like trumpet playing like this. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're listening to it on, you know, Apple podcasts, you can't exactly see what I'm making, but basically my, my index finger and thumb are touching each other. And that's how we're taught to play. And we're also taught to overblow, right? Mm -hmm. Fill up the horn, blow through the horn, more air, more air, more air. But what happens is we blow through all this air and you can see it's really restrictive, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't, I mean, so all, where does that all that air go? Back to us, right. which is why we feel back pressure, which is why um, sometimes musicians will talk about, oh, my throat, I feel tension in my throat or in my chest or this and that. And a lot of that is caused from using too much air. So the air has to go somewhere, right? So it kind of reverts back and also the tongue placement, tongue level that can also cause tension as well in the throat and neck. So dealing with all of this, learning this new way of playing, which feels so foreign. Um, and for me in this process, because we're playing on it and allowing the injury to kind of heal while we're playing, you know, sometimes you might irritate it again. You're not going to re-injure it. You're just getting, you know, there's some days, you know, just like with working out, if you had an injury before, you might feel it a little bit, but you know, it's not broken or something like that. So building that confidence up to know, like I can play and like, oh, I'm not feeling pain. This is weird because you felt it for so long. Um, that's, that's a cool and great sensation kind of build up confidence, but yeah, it's been totally different, um, different way of playing. But some of the things that I've noticed is my endurance, my longevity. I lose focus quicker than I lose chops. And what I mean by losing chops, it's just like you get to a certain point where you're like, yeah, I should probably take a break. It's been 20, 20 some minutes. Take another five minute break. Boom, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I used to just kind of beat my face up and my lips would be swollen and this and that. And it's like, yeah, I haven't experienced that at all. So there's definitely some truths to this. If I can just continue down this process and you know, Alan Bazzuti, there's some interviews of him on YouTube. I think he's wearing like a lime green shirt. <laughs> and it's for Yamaha. And uh, he talks about this style of playing. If you listen to him talk about pedagogy, I think it's like, it's early on in the video. I think the video is cut into like 10 parts. I think it's like the third or fourth clip or whatever. He talks about his pedagogy. 
And he talks about, you know, he takes the mouthpiece, he's not buzzing his lips, he's just blowing air because the instrument's already filled with air. We're just exciting that air with our wind, right? Just like if you hit the back of your mouthpiece and it makes that thud, that's noise, right? That's all you're doing with your air. But yet we were taught like you have to vibrate your lips, which is interesting because when you vibrate your lips, like if you free buzz and put that in the mouthpiece, what does it sound like? Yeah. Right. And it's like, but we tell people that's how we play. So we don't exactly play that way. Right. <laughs> you know, and just learning more about our ped pedagogy and, and how like mouthpiece buzzing was never a thing before a certain period of time before musicians were like, oh, let's try this. And then we started trying to figure out exactly. I think the problem is we, we wanted to figure out how we play a brass instrument and through that we overanalyzed and we also aren't exactly sure at times how we do it right there's Dennis Wick has a famous quote and famous saying which I'm not going to repeat now because I'm not I'm going to butcher it but basically it says that in pedagogy the teacher thinks he hears what the student does and then he tries to explain what he thinks the student is doing and the student then tries to think about what the teacher thinks he's doing and then he goes to you know it's like that's all it is it's like yeah. we're thinking about what's actually happening we're not actually doing it yeah. you know so learning about that learning about uh, focus of attention you know where is it when you're practicing uh is it on internal things like oh my lips need to be doing this this and this or is it on the sound that you want and by focusing on that you know form follows function so if you're functioning, you're focusing on the function, like this is what I want. I want this sound, the form kind of follows suit, which is a different way of learning before I try to make it happen versus letting it happen. Completely different shift. So there's a lot of letting go and a lot of things that I'm having to rewire in my brain and in my playing, which is tough, you know, especially having a job and having to perform at a certain level and me not being able to be at that level right now is, is definitely tough. And psychologically, you know, that was one of the things that you mentioned. It's like, well, I should be able to do this thing, but then you have to give yourself grace and understand that like you're hurt, you're injured, you mm -hmm. know, like you can't expect yourself to do something that it's not ready to do. So that's, that's kind of a quick summary of some of the things that I've done. And, you know, you might say, well, you've been working at it for almost a year. What's going on? Well, I, it took 10 months to finally get a diagnosis. You know, it, I didn't know who this doctor was. And I, you know, it took a lot of research and finding out, you know, I didn't start working with Jan until end of September. We didn't get back on the horn until November. So it's only been six months of playing, you know? And so, um, you know, this stuff takes time to completely throw out almost how you used to play before and how you used to think about playing a brass instrument. So I know that in the long run, this, I think, hopefully will, um, serve as a good um you know just a life lesson and then being able to help others down the road so i'm creating kind of a resource document right now that i'm working on um not just within the trumpet world but other you know vocalists i've i've found some great doctors and vocal coaches in philadelphia who retrain a lot of vocalists who get injured and i mean there's there's definitely um a gap between, you know, people in our industry, like who, who do we go to, who are resources? So, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've been going through on the pedagogy. I mean, it's completely changed the way I think about pedagogy and trumpet playing. And um, yeah, like I said, I mean, it's interesting. You start to pick up on, on that, like Vizzuti is one of 
one of those people who talks about it and it's in a very similar way as Jan. You hear a lot of lead trumpet players kind of explain that here where they feel like this, this is it's kind of like almost like a pucker type of mm -hmm. setup uh, off the teeth and it's very air driven, you know, and this, this does change, right? You know, it changes, but it's, you're not actively trying to change it. You know, it's like, oh, to play a middle G, this is the kind of air that I need. Yeah. You know, lead players talk about like, oh, this is double C air. Mm -hmm. You know, this is whatever. They don't think about like, oh, the chops need to be here to play here. levels. Yeah. You know, so that's a big shift as well. Yeah, I've definitely, you know, since I guess somewhat selfishly, since you've been going through, you know, this, this, this humongous thing and based on some of our conversations about stuff you've learned through this process from Jan and, you know, other people. So I, I started incorporating a lot of this, these same ideals in um, my own practice and certainly in my teaching, especially about like not um, not overblowing, right? And, you mm -hmm. know, making sure like we have our, our air column here, like this is the air column you need for middle C or for high G is right here. And so I, what I've come to find, like it's, it's really helped me as well you know, um, in terms of like playing efficiently, because I don't feel like I am not like overworking so much. So I, there's definitely like something to that. And I've been trying to like this, this summer, you know, part of, I guess my project is, is continuing down this, this rabbit hole of, you know, really incorporating it and really getting a true understanding how to like put all these things together. But I've, I've found it to be very, very valuable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we're working on now is is realizing that I learn very well when I think about sound and less about isometrics and the chops, you know. And so, one of the things that they tell me is you want to think, you want to be just slightly a step ahead. So, like when you hear the sound or hear the articulation, they call it diction, not articulations. Mm -hmm. When you hear the sound, hear the diction, just be one step ahead, you know. That way, you're constantly that's your focus. Your focus is on the music, on the sound. So when you get to performances where's your focus? It's on the music. It's on the sound. It's like, you almost can't afford to think about anything other than that, you know? So it actually helps a lot of musicians with any performance anxiety because they're just focused in on that. And then also the other thing too, is where do you hear the sound? Do you hear it up here or do you hear it off the end of the bell? Mm. Or do you hear it in the room? Yeah. You know, there are different contact points that uh, we're working on within myself. Cause we're taught like, hear the sound in your head, but it's like, that's not where the sound is coming out. The sound's coming out at the end of the bell, which then fills up the room. So there are different contact points where you can listen for the sound, um, which has been really cool for me. So right now I'm working on hearing it at the end of the bell, yeah. you know, so which allows you now to blow past, you know, the mouthpiece, blow past like the lips, essentially, you know, like, cause you're blowing it through the bell. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So that, that works on actively getting the air through it. And, and that's another thing too, is working on less of an inhalation, right? It's all about exhaling. And so uh, it's just a one, one movement from the diaphragm all the way through. We tend to, but what do we do? We hold our air, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of just like, it's just one motion, you know, which then forces us to figure out, okay, I actually don't need as much air, right? Okay, here's the phrase. What kind of air do I actually need for this phrase here? You know, instead of taking this huge breath for this thing, it's like, you know, sometimes we'll play and we'll get backed up. It's yeah. Like, why does that happen? It's like, probably because we're using too much air, more air than we actually think we need. You know? Right. So 
there's definitely a learning curve with all this and trying to figure it out. And, but um, no, that's really cool that it's, that you're being able to find some, some hidden gems through it. And again, I'm just starting to figure this stuff out. So I can't really articulate it as deeply as I could. And then the next step is once I'm able to fully retrain through this, how do I then teach that to students? Right. Because, you know, that's a whole different ball game. What things to look for. I mean, I've, I've seen this a lot now, you know, when I look at players, I look at, do they have any dystonic or tendencies that will lead to injury? Right. Is there one side of their face that kind of pulls back? That's, that can lead to dystonia or lead to injury. You know, what, you know, things of that nature that, you know, we're kind of like, well, if it sounds good and it works, it works, but it's like, uh, yeah, well, let's, let's see for how long, you yeah, know? Exactly. Yeah. So. Tell it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I've been, you know, like I said earlier, I've been definitely incorporating this in my own teaching and especially, well, I think obviously, you know, starting in middle school, our first days of band, um, you know, we're taught like, oh, we need all this air to play, right? So, like, for me, especially this, you know, this year, um, particularly this semester, you know, I have my students, it's like, all right, we don't, we don't need so much air. So, we're just trying to figure out, like, how much air do I need to play in this part of the horn? You know, that middle register or right at, you know, in that fifth partial or above the staff. And, you know, sometimes I have, like, students just play just a very easy scale slowly and just work on finding where that balance is. Like, where does the air need to be for that note to respond? And it's like that that middle sweet spot. And then just have them go up to scale, maintaining that that ease and efficiency where they're not like having to overblow. You know, and I've, I've come to find like, they they realize, oh, I don't need nearly as, as much as I, I as I've been told or that I thought, and so yeah, so we we got to kind of get that to happen more consistently, uh, consistently. So yeah, so it's it's I think it's definitely a, an approach that works. Yeah, and what you find is too, as they start having more success, they realize either how much they relied on their chops to make it work versus how much they can rely on their air. Because mm -hmm. what happens is, for me, I'll start playing longer phrases and I'll start to back off on my air. And then what happens comes back on the face. Yeah. It's like, oh no, I need to keep the air moving, okay. right? It's the, the speed of air needs to keep moving. The intent, the, the amount, right? We're talking about the amount of air doesn't necessarily need to be crazy amounts, but the speed needs to be there. The it needs speed, to be, yeah. It's like, you just kind of press on. It's just, you're, you're riding that wave, you know, just like you would if, if you were surfing or, mm -hmm. you know, skiing or something like that. It's like, you feel that wave like your body feels it and balances on that right as opposed to like figuring out like okay i have to make this happen and rigid it's like oh okay and for yeah. a while it might feel weird and then you kind of lock in on it and the body gets used to that yeah yeah, yeah I, I like to use the the um driving a car analogy because I, I would talk about like keeping the contact point like you know keeping the air up against the resistance of the horn without actually pushing against it so it's like, you know, when we're driving, typically we're keeping our foot on the gas pedal. And as mm -hmm. we want to speed up, we're not pushing the gas, but we're just like slightly adding, you know, a little bit of, let's say, I don't want to use the word pressure, but we're kind of just leaning up against that, that pedal and the car just gradually goes faster, right? And when yeah. we're ready to speed down, we just slowly 
um, take some of that off and the car slows down. But you're always in kind of contact with, with the gas pedal, right? Yeah. But I kind of like think about like with my ears, like if I'm, you know, playing a low C, I'm like, I'm keeping that that contact point, the air and against like that resistance that we, we feel when we play the horn. And as I'm going up into the upper register, you know, the air is still forward. All I'm doing is increasing, you know, the velocity of the airspeed, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's great. Yeah, but I'm never like pushing past it. You know, it's not like when we're driving car, we want to go fast, we don't like, press the gas because you get that like jerk motion yeah it's just it's a more just like gradual thing kind of figure out where that air needs to be based on what part of the the register you're in yeah absolutely man yeah it's it's uh air-based versus being chop driven yeah and i think some of us or a lot of people in the brass world we're just so focused in on what the chops are doing like muscle 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 and it's like you know that it works like people are like well why because people are having success and it's like well we're, we also have you know 75 to 80 percent of professional musicians are getting injured you know like that's an extremely high percentage you know and depending on the injury too i mean it's we prepare you know it's like in college we prepare you to try to get a job but it's like we don't prepare you for a healthy career yeah you know and that's that's important it's like okay i got a job but it's like what happens if i get injured five ten years and then i have to stop playing it's like did we actually set you up for success you know it's like we need to set people up to where they can play for 30 40 50 years whatever it may be and you know there's you're gonna wear out quicker if you're gonna be on your teeth and being chop driven i think Mm -hmm. versus being air driven and the chops kind of being off the teeth i mean it's just it's it's more efficient and um you know you hear a lot of like low brass people kind of talk about this style of playing and it hasn't really been adopted yet as much, I mean, again, like you look at somebody like Alan Vizzuti who talks about, about that in the video and, you know, there are some people like that and you're like, well, he's a freak when it comes to playing trumpet. And it's like, yeah, yeah, a reason. <laughs> yeah exactly. You know, and the, and the way he thinks about playing and it, it just kind of makes sense. So, um, but yeah, anyway, so hopefully down the road, I can be able to have these thoughts a little bit more refined and then, you know, figure out how to, with, with Jan's help, how to teach that, teach that method. So. Well, it sounds like you're, you're well on your way. You know, I know you and I have talked off camera about stuff. So you're, you're definitely coming along and figuring it out. So I'm really excited for you. Thanks, man. Yeah. You know, when I, I came to Jan, I think I thought this was going to be a patchwork type of job. Like, mm. oh, I got a little, nail on my tire, just patch it up, whatever. And it was like, oh, we're going to take this whole, we're going to reconstruct and build this house from the foundation again, which a lot of people wouldn't want to do that. And for me, it was like, I could go back playing the other way that I played and probably do my job and everything would kind of be fine. But the probability of re-injury would be high. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just don't want to do it again. And, you know, I told myself, I'm going to do everything I can to figure this out. And, you know, go through the process. And if it doesn't work out, that's to me, that's a sign that it wasn't meant to be. And that's perfectly fine. You know, I'm going to put the effort in and see what happens, but I, you know, playing in pain and doing that's just not a fun way to live. And so I, uh, I'm kind of down this new path and it's, it's, it's tough, but I think, you know, I think a lot of college professors are afraid to do that to students. They don't want to wreck someone's foundation 
if they don't have to, but sometimes it's like the worst thing that you could do is not doing that because mm-hmm. down the road, it's going to kick him in the butt, yeah, him or her in the butt, you know? And it's like, what's, what's best, you know, you know, making that student not play in ensembles for a year to set them up for success down the road, you know, it's, it, yeah, that's, that's a whole nother topic for, yeah <laughs> for that kind of thing. But yeah, anywho, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's awesome though. Yeah. It's gonna happen. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. Hopefully. And the goal is to become a better player than I was before. You know, I know a lot of talked to some of some of the musicians that have retrained with Jan, and that's one of the things that they say is like it's so much easier. I have endurance for days and I play better than I played before. Mm-hmm. so i'll take any one of those three things you know um Absolutely. moving forward Absolutely. yeah well you know for anyone who's attending the um the virtual itd conference this summer uh tyler is doing a presentation um a little more in depth on this exact same topic talking about his his journey through this process so if you are attending the itg um, conference virtually, um, you should definitely check out his presentation on this. It's actually really good. I got a chance to see a few minutes <laughs> of it, so I'm actually going to be tuning in to watch the whole thing. So, well, time. and you know, uh, Javen is also presenting at IT <laughs> virtual conference as well. So why not uh, have a twofer right there? There it is. There it yeah. is. Nice plug. Yeah. Nice. Plug. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well. Um, well, yeah, man, this was good catching up, man, and and I and I appreciate it. But you know, before we get off, mm-hmm. we gotta talk about music that we've been listening to. I'm glad you asked it. So, um, I've been listen. So, <laughs> I've been, I guess, the past maybe two weeks, I've been listening like so much to uh, Buster Rhymes. Oh, nice! I know, classic, right? Yeah, like I, I haven't listened to this stuff in so long. And I, I think I came across a video on YouTube and then I just went down this rabbit hole of just listening to like Buster Rhyme, um, old songs and some of his newer stuff and being, and watching some like his freestyle videos and stuff like that. And that's like, man, his rhythm is just so, just so spot on. Like huh. this amazes me how good his time is. Uh, there's this one. He he does a lot of uh, for the, uh, for people who don't know. He does a lot of um, what they call like fast rapping. Um, and there's this song he did. Uh, he did a feature in uh, Chris Brown's song. I can't think of the name of the song right now. But anyway, so he he has a verse. Uh, every way everybody knows it because it, it was really popular when it first came out, and everyone's trying to redo it because he's like spitting like so many syllables out over like just nothing like 16th notes and in his time is so impeccable and you know it's one thing to do it in like a recording studio but i there's a video of him doing it live in like his time it's just like mm, you know those that's the time you, you wish to have <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, know, for exactly. like a professional like uh classical or jazz musician um so i've been listening to buster ron and also uh the I guess two days ago, I was listening to um, uh, Yiba, um, who's a, a singer out of 
uh, I think she's from, I forget where she's from. She's from the South. I want to say she's from like Memphis, Tennessee. I think she's okay. from Memphis, Tennessee. Either Memphis or Alabama. I think it's Memphis, Tennessee. Um, she She's an incredible singer. Um, if you spell her name Y-E, I think B-A-A or Y-E-B-A. Um, you should definitely check her out from her stuff. Um, she's done a bunch of features with other artists, um, but she also has her own like solo stuff that's out there. And she's incredible, incredible awesome. singer. Um, so you should definitely check some of her stuff out when you get a chance. What about you? Cool. What are you listening to? No, I, I wrote her name down, so I'll, I'll check her out. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been on the countryside. Uh, I've been listening to she's a done little... Con- she's done some country stuff. Okay. So, yeah. I've been listening to uh, Luke Bryan and uh, Luke Kane Bryan. Brown. Yeah. I'm and who? The... Kane Brown. Kane Brown. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I, I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes I just like to get in that mood because it just like, it like relaxes me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, makes me think of like, maybe one day living in the mountains being remote and yeah, just yeah, yeah. out there and do, you know that kind of thing but uh, again it's the storytelling that gets me it's like gosh these guys are good storytellers um yeah, yeah so yeah just kind of been checking that stuff out and then um marshmallow too mm. yeah get into especially on the workouts like on the bike i'll just have right, music right, playing right. just go yeah, yeah yeah that's that's nice awesome, but that's about it on this end um so Javian, where can people find you? Where can people find the podcast? All of that good stuff. Yeah, so you can certainly find me on Instagram at Nerdy Prowse. Uh, Facebook, just my name, Javian Brabham. Um, and I know you're still on your, your social media hiatus, which is great. It helps clear the mind, so I'm, I'm all for that. Um, but if you want to follow our, our podcast, um, we're on Instagram at Coffee and Clark's, Facebook, same name, um, our YouTube page, which is where we have our episodes, or at least the, the, the video version of our episodes out at Coffee and Clark's. Um, and you can find this podcast also on Apple Music uh, or Apple Podcasts, excuse me. Um, well, I guess it works both ways, right? So just uh, feel free to uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Uh, give us five stars if you if you like. Uh, tell a friend, share, share it to the masses. Um, so we hope to continue to have great content out there. Um, and hopefully we'll have some, some new guests on very, very soon. Um, anything else you have for us today, Tyler? I'm good, man. Just looking forward to uh, getting these back up and running again. And it's good to see you. And I'm glad the semester went well. All right. Same. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, uh, thank you all again for listening to Coffee Clarks. Uh, We hope to have some new episodes out again very, very shortly. And we'll keep you posted. Thank you again. And we'll see you all next time.